0: Hello and welcome to Employment Talk. We're here to discuss the HR issues affecting you and keep you up to date with the latest employment law news. My name's Joe Mosley. I'm a support lawyer here at Irwin Mitchell. I write our blogs and newsletters and I keep the employment team and our clients up to date with what's happening in the world of employment law.
1: And I'm Elaine Hutley. I'm a partner in the team who works very closely with Joe. I think you're sort of hiding your status under a bit of a bushel there. You're not just a partner in the team, are you Elaine? I'm also recently the National Head of Employment uh, here at IAM. I'm very proud uh, and delighted to be so. Good, well done. <laughs> <laughs> not going to let you get away with I'm just a partner. Oh, thanks Joe. <laughs> right, so what are we going to talk about today Joe? I thought we'd talk about Toilets,
0: specifically the legal issues around workplace toilets. I giggle because
1: toilets just sounds like a very random subject, isn't it? It does not it its I mean, even by our standards, that's quite left field, Joe. So why have you chosen that subject for us today? I've chosen it because I wrote a blog about a recent case
0: involving toilets last week and it got a huge amount of engagement. I think when I checked this morning, we'd had about 5,000 people that had read that particular article and it was the closest I've ever come to trending on Twitter. So it's obviously something that's clearly of interest. I thought that we would look at the legal issues around toilets in, in workplaces.
1: I'm almost nervous to ask this, Jo, but where do you want to start? well shall we go through the case first I know that you were on
0: annual leave last week Elaine so you may not have had time to read it so what I'll do is I'll give you the facts and then I'll ask you what decision the ET reached and we'll see if you get it right okay okay I'm ready right brilliant okay so these are the facts a female employee a lady called Ms Abbas was working on a site and she was the only woman working on this particular site it had two toilet facilities one was for the men and the second was what they called an accessible toilet when she started her manager told her that she could use either facility and obviously she didn't choose the men's i mean why would she but she was not happy about using the accessible toilet either for several reasons The first was that it didn't lock properly and could be opened from the outside using a coin. We can do that with our bathrooms in the house, but clearly that's not something that you want in a um, public facing toilet. And the other was that it was used by men and it was often left in a really unhygienic condition. So there was urine on the seat and things like that. And she often had to clean the toilet before she could use it. So she complained to her manager and she complained to him a lot, it must be said and he agreed to sort out the lock and to make the accessible toilet female only so in order to achieve that he sellotaped a sign to the door okay which obviously regularly fell off forgot to sort out the lock or didn't sort out the lock for whatever reason and as a result of a sort of bodged attempt to sort it out men still use the facility so She put up with that for a very long time and it was only when another incident happened that she raised a grievance and she included her grievance about the toilet as part of that grievance. That was almost three years after she'd started working there. She went off sick and was off sick for about six months. When she returned, the accessible toilet had been refurbished and a new lock had been fitted and she was happy with those arrangements but she brought a claim about the previous facilities and said that that constituted less favourable treatment and therefore direct sex discrimination. So, do you think she won, Elaine?
1: I'm going to say, I haven't, because I was away last week, I have not read this case as yet. It's in my little updates pile of reading to do, but I'm going to say yes, she did. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to say, I think some of the aggravating factors were the length of time that, It went on and the fact that she had brought it to their attention and they'd failed to act on it. So I'm going to say, yes, she did win that claim.
0: She did win it. Yeah, it was an act of direct sex discrimination. And the tribunal were very clear that providing female staff with inadequate toilets compared to men is less favourable treatment. So do you want
1: to have a guess about how much she was awarded for injury to her feelings? Okay, so I'm thinking this isn't going to fall within the lower band because it's not a one-off, it's not trivial, it's gone over for a period of time. She's warned them about it, they haven't, so I'm going to guess somewhere in the region of 10 to 15,000. Hey, pretty good, pretty good (laughs) Elaine.
0: It was actually 16,000 but that also included Compensation for a single act of sexual harassment as well. So your
1: ballpark figure was entirely sound. Well done. I hedged my bets a little bit there, going for a a gap of five thousand. But yeah, Um, and was that a first instance? This is Renjo. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. So
0: obviously, it's not binding on other tribunals.
1: And do we have any authoritative judgments on sex discrimination cases involving toilets? We do. Yes, we do. In that case,
0: the tribunal was able to rely on a decision of the EAT that had been handed down the previous year. And that was a case called Earl Shilton Town Council against Miller. Now, the circumstances were slightly different in that case. The council workers shared a site with other groups. I think they worked, I think they might have worked out of a church building or something. They did provide male and female toilets, but play groups used the building and when they were using the building, women couldn't use the toilets if the children were using them because of safeguard concerns. So if a woman member of staff wanted to use the loo, she had to attract the attention of a playgroup member of staff who then had to check and see if there were children in the toilets. If there were they had to wait and if they weren't then obviously she could go in. Obviously that wasn't particularly helpful for women if they needed to use the toilet urgently as sometimes we do. So they complained. Council offered women the use of men's toilets and the men's toilets had a cubicle and what they called a trough urinal. I'm not even sure I even want to know what a trough urinal is. It sounds revolting, but, you know, that's what they had. And in order to get to the cubicle, the women had to pass the urinal. Okay. Now, they did put up a flimsy sign to say when it was being used by women, but there was no lock on the entrance to the men's and men entered even if there was a sign on the door. And obviously, there was a risk that when women used the toilet, they would also see men urinating. So, Ms. Miller brought a claim. uh, Tribunal upheld it in first instance, and the EAT upheld their decision. And they made it very clear that providing inadequate
1: toilet facilities for women amounted to direct sex discrimination. So in that situation, we're looking at whether the toilets are inadequate compared to men, and it's not given that toilets were adequate for the women's needs.
0: Yes. Yeah. I mean, basically, the tribunals um, said that it applied what it called robust common sense.
1: It's interesting, isn't it, that that dignity and privacy issues are also at play in that case. Mm -hmm. Um, And the acknowledgement there that it wasn't appropriate and wasn't acceptable that women should encounter men when they're using the toilet.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a, a very important principle. Let's go off. But a slight tangent as you've mentioned privacy and dignity there's another case this is a much older case that was one that involved a male manager who went into female toilets at work to find out what a particular female employee was up to because he believed that she was trying to avoid working so he sort of barged into the um, toilets just to see what she was up to she brought a claim for direct discrimination But the EAT said that wasn't direct discrimination.
1: Do you want to hazard a guess as to why they might have reached that decision? I'm not familiar with this case, so I really am hazarding a guess. But I wonder whether, is it because he said it had nothing to do with her sex and and had he thought that a male employee was also skiving in the toilets, he would have barged in on them also? I don't know.
0: Yes, similar, similar. Um, What they said, um, they were talking about, you know, the material factor part of the, you know, the test for direct discrimination. They focused in on that. And the tribunal accepted that an equally robust female manager would have gone into the men's toilets if they'd they'd had similar concerns. So, yes, that sort of
1: thing. Different side of the coin, I guess. Not the person being treated, but would a female manager have done exactly the same thing? Interesting point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. Shall we have a look at another case then, before we move on to the specific laws about toilets in the workplace? So obviously not all workplaces have enough room for separate male and female toilets. So thinking about small shops, garages, those sorts of work environments. The next case we're going to look at involved an employee who worked in a subway outlet in a petrol station. So I'll give you the facts of that case. There was just one staff loo. The staff loo did not contain a sanitary bin. And the female member of staff complained to her manager about that. He adopted the most bizarre response to that. He said she was the only female of menstruating age who used the toilet, okay, and that she should dispose of her sanitary products in the kitchen bin, the kitchen bin, okay. And To get to the kitchen bin, she had to walk through the petrol station. Okay, unsurprisingly, she chose to dispose of her sanitary products in a different way, put them in a bin in the forecourt because she thought that the kitchen bin was too unhygienic and obviously quite embarrassing having to walk through a a shop in order to get to it. She didn't pass her probationary period and she was dismissed. And she brought a number of claims against her employer, including sex
1: discrimination. Do you think she won? Without a doubt. (laughs) <laughs> um, I, just, I just think it is so horrific to suggest that someone would have to walk through a public space to dispose of something of such a personal nature as sanitary products, rather than just giving her a bin in the toilets. So I vote absolutely yes, she wins her case.
0: Yeah, she did. Absolutely. She won both her sex discrimination case the tribunal said that the failure to provide a suitable bin to dispose of her sanitary products was of itself an act of, of sex discrimination. And the way in which her manager had treated her also amounted to harassment because effectively he was creating an intimidating and hostile environment, which clearly affected her dignity. A oh, horrible case, horrible case. So let's move on then now and let's look at what the law says about facilities at work. Could you explain to our listeners, Elaine, exactly which laws apply and what they say about toilets in the workplace? Yes.
1: Yeah. so on, on this one, we're looking at the Workplace Health, Safety and Welfare Regulations of 1992. And those regulations set out the obligations to provide separate male and female toilet facilities for employees and then we've also got provisions under the Equality Act, which address single sex spaces as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I had a quick look at the workplace health and safety regulations before we came on, and they, they're actually very prescriptive in that they set out the number of different sex toilets that you need, depending on how many people that you actually employ. But what we're also seeing is gender neutral toilets becoming quite popular even where there's plenty of space for to have both separate
1: men's and women's, are they legal? Yeah, they are. So the same regulations do allow for gender neutral toilets, but only if they're in separate lockable rooms with floor to ceiling doors. So it can't be those old style. I don't say old style. We've got them cubicles where there's a gap at the top and the bottom. They have to be fully enclosed, I guess, for privacy, etc. And the government are not keen on gender neutral facilities at all, are they? No, they're not. They did actually launch a consultation recently about changing the regulations so that all new non-domestic public and private buildings have to provide single sex toilets for men and women or a self-contained private toilet.
0: So do you have a preference, Elaine? Are Are you a fan of
1: gender neutral toilets? Do you know, I don't mind them as long as they're clean and tidy. I think men's (laughs) toilets do have a bit of a reputation for perhaps not being as hygienic as women's. I don't frequent them. I can't possibly comment on whether that's true. But I I think there are certain conveniences of, of having gender neutral toilets, you know, less queuing, more accessibility. It's very frustrating as a woman, particularly when you go to events and the queue for the women's is a mile long and men come and go at a pace. But I think we need to get better at respecting the facilities should I say so that but I think we I think we are getting there but personally I I don't have a problem but I've never had a bad experience in one
0: Before we finish I thought we could touch briefly on a few other issues about toilets particularly toilet breaks And I saw a study when I was preparing this and I can't remember who published it, but it basically said what we probably already know, that women generally take longer to use the loo than men do. Okay, but it's not just about how long they spend in the toilet, is it? It's also about frequency and women are more likely to need to go to the loo more often If, for example, they're having their period, they're going through the menopause because one of the side effects of menopause is very heavy bleeding. And also, of course, when women are pregnant and the baby is pressing on their bladder, they may need to go more often. And there are other female-only conditions that also mean that women need to go to the toilet more frequently. And that may go unnoticed in a typical office environment. I mean, you know, I'm thinking about our work environment. You don't clock, you know, what people do when they... um, get up from their desk, they could be making a cup of tea, they could be going to the loo, they could be doing any number of things. It's not something that you've got any interest in. But of course, there are some sectors and industries where people actually need permission to go to the loo if they need to go to the loo outside of their formal breaks, or where their toilet breaks are recorded for efficiency purposes.
1: Absolutely, Joe. I remember not so long ago, it wasn't in the context necessarily of toilet breaks, but I was speaking to a HR contact who um, was in the food manufacturing sector. And, and the, the conversation we were actually having was around the menopause. But they'd experienced that women would phone in sick because they would need to go and use the toilet at more infrequent, or with more frequency and yeah. um, when they were suffering from some of their symptoms. But because they worked on a production line, it was really noticed if they were popping off to the toilet or if their toilet trips were taking a bit longer. So they would actually um, phone in sick to try and mask that. But I think the same principle applies of if, for example, you are on a production line where everyone has to cover a particular segment for particular periods of time and if you interrupt that schedule it becomes really disruptive and, and actually quite public because your colleagues do notice because it's not a discrete pop-off to the toilet. That is something that we do need to to think about as employers to say well how do we manage that situation and what do we do.
0: Yeah that's a really good point. So what are the legal issues that employers need to consider a lane. Can they for example turn down requests for staff to go to the toilet if they think that they're asking too often?
1: I think if you notice that an employee is asking too often rather than just turn it down, I think it has to lead into a meaningful conversation. So some of the things we should be thinking about are, are there any medical or bio- female biological conditions, for example, you've mentioned menopause, periods etc, that might be leading into that request. It might just be a, an underlying medical condition, you know, have they got a, a UTI, for example, um, are mm. they pregnant, etc. So th- there's got to be a question as to why perhaps they're going more frequently and I think we should think about how we enable the culture of the organisation to facilitate those conversations and to build it into a policy so everybody knows where they stand, everybody knows who they need to speak to if they have any of those concerns and what support can be put in place and thinking about it in detail and thinking about a policy and how you'll manage it will also help to think through any potential, for example, indirect discrimination. So once you are thinking about a policy, stress test it to make sure that inadvertently that policy that you put in place doesn't put someone, for example, with a medical condition or females at a disadvantage in how you apply that policy, even if you apply it consistently to everybody. Yeah. And if there is a possibility that it might cause some sort of um, indirect discrimination, um, think about how you can lessen the impact of that. And if there still is an element of discrimination, can you, can you justify having to implement that policy? But again, it all comes down to stress testing and thinking through the different eventualities and the different um, approaches that you need to take in the context of your business. Because as we've just said, in an office, perhaps not so much an issue on a production line, something to really think about the detail of what you can do to support. So, for example, can you have some sort of cover where if someone does need to go more frequently, someone else can step in. So it's dealt with in in an appropriate, proportionate way. Yeah, yeah, of course, that that makes sense. Okay, that was an interesting
0: conversation. I think before we finish, though, I want to acknowledge that this session hasn't discussed the toilet provisions for members of staff who are trans or non-binary, but we will be looking at that in detail at a future date, if that's something of interest to you. And that's it for today. Please tune in next month if you want to hear more about the latest employment law updates alongside expert commentary. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.